0: Recorded live. Welcome. My name is Brenda Lainoff of the Whispering Energetic Healing. And uh, welcome to my radio show. Uh, It's been uh, a while here, but I am excited about bringing on a guest. And I was so pleased when um, the information came through to my inbox about this Lady who is just a revolutionary person. Um, She is on a mission, and uh, I'm really excited about uh, having her on uh, on the show today. Um, So I I welcome uh, Dr. Sadie Gazeley. Yes, uh, thank you. Thank you for coming on. I love these, the line sovereignty and the right for women to control their own sexual and physical fate. Um, that is something that you you hold dear to you. And Absolutely, it, it's um, so so essential and especially right now in these times. And when the email came in uh, about your um, you've written several books. And I believe you have one that's just—is it com- near completion, or has it been yeah, completed? Yeah, we're we're
1: in the final stages of designing the cover and and all of that, so it's very soon. So maybe we'll have a chat about that when
0: it comes out. <laughs> oh, very very good. You know, when I was reading your information and <clears throat> I listened to your um, vis- you know, watched your videos, it was broken up in a three-part series. And it saddened me, and yet it was in another moment of, okay, this is reality, that no other country in the world, nor even the United Nations Human Rights Charter, is there any stipulation that women have the right to their own bodies? It hit me to the core. And um, for women, I would say most, if not all, have experienced some type of verbal um, abuse, if, if not uh, <clears throat> physical abuse, and it, um, yeah, it just really affected me. Mm. If, if if I can have you please go back in time, I understand that you were French Canadian farm girl, so. Um, that's wonderful. I'm 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 Canadian too. I um I understand a sense of um of uh, what you may have gone through just from my own experiences living in the country and hearing stories and communicating with other people. Um, so I if you could if you don't mind just going back to that that little French Canadian farm girl and just mm-hmm. give us a sense of where this story began this this energy of having to or where you've gone to at this point in time like what what was that driving force and and i know there you have your stories but to give the audience a sense of what was that driving force that pushed you to where you are today
1: yeah so uh thank you for asking that i love this question and I am going to go back in time. I'm going to go back to a time when um, my we left French Canada and went to live on First Nation reservations in the province of Manitoba. And my parents didn't speak any English, and none of us spoke the the native tongue that was um, there at the time, the Ojibwe language. And so I learned that very quickly because as a child, you play and you learn and you want to communicate. So I learned, I became very fluent in that language, did not learn English till later. And, but the thing that was the greatest learning, because my own family life was so safe and fun and um, beautiful, that uh, it wasn't what was happening for my friends. There was a lot of domestic violence, uh, sexual abuse, and um, our home would often be a place of shelter especially for women who would come from a really abusive situation. They needed to run away somehow, and they knew that they could come to the house. I'm, I'm imagining my mother just made it really clear to all women that if they needed her help that she would be there, and my father would support that. So as a young child, I would converse with these women and just have compassion in, in a childlike way, obviously, for, for what they were going through. And it it was a very clear distinction. There's this thing that I love called my body, and there's parts of my body that bring such joy to me when I touch myself, for example, because I was very free in my body at that time. And then there was the contrast of the pain. And so that, I think, was very, it shaped me. Because when I think back, I'm like, what shaped me? And I, I really think that that, in part, had me really want to take a stand for women, really want to be their voice because a lot of times they couldn't use their voice. And also not only that, but remind them that there was a beautiful side to sexuality, that it wasn't only painful. And then Uh fast forward to my early 20s where I had the shock of a lifetime. And um, what had happened was I was traveling on my own in the Caribbean and um, took a lover that was a local person there. And uh, at one point in our knowing of each other, he chose to violently rape me. And that rape led to me uh, going back to Vancouver, because at the time I was living in Vancouver, going to the hospital, going to a surgery, and waking up from that surgery, being told, I'm sorry, but you have about two weeks to live at best. And the shock of my mortality at the age of 20 was um, a lot to take in. And I think that the journey (laughs) that I went on from defying my surgeon to choosing life, to unfolding Mm -hmm. step-by-step, how do I not only heal the physical body, but also all my thoughts, my emotions, who I am as a human being. Because believe it or not, Brenda, when I was in that hospital, being, you know, hooked up to the machines and things. I was actually being shamed because what I was dying of was a sexually transmitted infection. And they, it was a a Catholic hospital, I think, that I was in. So what I was dying of for them was obviously sin and and there was also abuse happening in the ward. And I tried to report it that, that the orderly, you know, I woke up to an orderly fondling me And I tried to report it, and it was said to me, there's no way he would have done that because he's married. And I'm like, what does marriage have to do with behavior? Um, And I had spoken up because the other women in the ward barely spoke English. Or, you know, there was different things going on. I'm like, these women are not going to say anything. I've got to say something. So you can see, again, another intense situation Uh where the voice and taking a stand not only to speak up against something but actually to, to Go for uh-huh. something. I knew there was something else, not just pain, even uh-huh. then. And that's how my method um, got developed. It's how women got attracted to my work. I only teach that which I personally embody. I have a very strong belief that we shouldn't teach things that we don't personally deeply uh-huh. embody. Yeah. And, and so that's where the journey came. And, and wow. sexual sovereignty, because you mentioned that earlier, sexual sovereignty, um was an idea that came to me purely by the witnessing of these incredible transformations that women, not only from Canada, but from around the world. I think I've been to over 16 countries teaching and, and it was the same. All of them had unique, different journeys, but the result was the same that there was a reclamation. I call it the reclamation journey. And, and that I started to call the emergence of, of sexual sovereignty, this, this, I would see it. I would see women just get this realization, my body is mine and it's precious Mm -hmm. and I'm going to take a stand for her and not only am I going to protect her, I'm going to enhance her in such a way where I'm not going to enjoy my body. I'm going to delight in my body. That's a huge transformation.
0: Well, and this, this repression goes back who knows at what period of time. I mean, you know, maybe you have been able to go back throughout uh, history, but we can carry this. We can carry it on a, uh, like, generationally, and I believe we can inherit repression. We can inherit these these emotions, um, and, and they can be held within, within our chakras, and sometimes we're, no, we, we're totally unaware of what we're holding on to. So, mm-hmm. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, th- this is, um, oh, this is so needed right now. I'm so, I'm so pleased that you came on. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Brenda. Oh, what, what is this um, method that you're using? Um, is, is that something that will be in your, that you're working with right now that you train with this psychosexual method? Yeah, so let's,
1: let's talk about that. But before we go there, I really want to honor what you just said, that, that we can inherit, you know, repression and trauma. And, and the inheritance piece also comes from something that people can look up. It's called limbic resonance and limbic imprinting. So that's the science mm-hmm. behind what's happening. And basically what that means is that because you and I are mammals, our nervous system in part is informed by another mammal. That's how babies learn to digest and to sleep and to function mm-hmm. is through the limbic system, the, the mammalian brain. And so we're not only absorbing, you know, functional aspects from our mother and father, we're actually also absorbing, you know, what they're embodied, what is true inside mm-hmm. of them, whether or not they speak of it. And we get imprinted with that. Now, the good news is we can change those imprints But I just wanted Uh to say that, um, like another terminology for people to look up and to investigate if they're curious, because I I just find it so powerful, which is why, again, I advocate only to follow embodied leaders and embodied healers and embodied guides because Uh of limbic resonance, because you really don't want to take on someone's, uh, what's going on inside them when what they're saying is very different than what they live.
0: Yes. I, I'm i in total alignment with what you just said, and uh, even even more so right now. Again, yeah. I, I do feel yeah. that.
1: So so let me okay. ask you a question about my method. And so the method, I basically named it after me, the Desilay method, and it is a psychosexual method. So let's define what that is. Psycho meaning like your psychology, so your thoughts and feelings. And um, sexual, obviously, meaning body and your sexuality. And these are not my terminology. They exist in psychology. And the idea is that your psyche, that orientation of yourself, is not separate. It's interwoven with your soma, with your body. That there isn't a separation. So if something's happening in your uh, genitals, for example, there most often is an emotional or belief compound connected to that. So healing, here's what I found when I did a lot of my research and started to teach a lot Mm -hmm. more, was that talk therapy is really, it's available for people. A lot of people go to therapists to talk about their issues. But when there's physical trauma, especially inside the genitals, when there's cellular memory of trauma, Mm -hmm. we need to, I call it cellular repatterning. We literally need to shift what's being held there This cannot happen without physical contact, which is why the method not only involves um, self-inquiry and meditation and and awareness practices, it combines that with a very clear set of physical practices to enable a woman not only to rebuild neural pathways, because that's very important, but also to enhance neural pathways, which is really exciting. And do the cellular repatterning, which is massively um, important for
0: healing. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it really is just perfect. Um, Yes, I I totally understand what you're saying with the cellular uh, repatterning. So what would that look like? So somebody has um, a session or when they come in, they've gone through their trauma, say they've been raped. And when you talk about, give us an example how that would. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. I, I would love to. I would love to. So I just first want to say that I work in multiple ways. Some women okay. are very private and they just want to claim their own journey for themselves. That was me. I didn't seek a lot of professional help. Um, after my near-death experience, I went inward and I started to have a conversation. So I really honor that some people need that and other people need group. So because of that, women can learn, they can read the, my book. There's a lot in the book. If they want to go further, there's I've created over seven online courses that really can support them in that journey. And then there's live events where you can come and have groups And occasionally I will work one-on-one or one of my ambassadors, so these are the the few trained, qualified people in the world Mm -hmm. in this method, Mm -hmm. then could work privately or also in, in a group setting with a woman. So what happens in all the sessions is invitation only. Everything that we offer, we put out as an invitation for multiple reasons. First of all, We believe that every woman is powerful. Every woman, no matter what's going on, no matter what the situation, no matter what has come to pass, you are powerful. We work with that premise. The Mm -hmm. second premise we work with is you're not broken, so we're not here to fix you. Mm -hmm. And that's very,
0: very important for real transformation. (laughs) That's, that's interesting you, you, you say that. I was just listening to Dr. Christian Northrock, who definitely uh, is supporting your work. Yeah. And it was listening to one, one podcast, and she was saying, we've been taught that women's bodies are broken. Yeah. And it's true. Everything, yeah. oh, look, she's in menopause. Oh, my gosh, you know, she's having a hysterectomy. It goes on and on and on. We are always broken. yeah. So it is a it, it's a collective agreement that isn't
1: true. So I call those um, <clears throat> they're called mental memes. Memes me. So it's like a mental virus that we propagate as truth until they're questioned. Mm-hmm. So that's uh-huh. part of the the climate for for healing is to open up the possibility that there's another way to look at things. And so that's why we establish those premises and we work with those and we support women to explore them. Another premise that we go by is um, that the yoni never lies. What that means is your genitals never lie. So if there is an imbalance, if there is something happening there, we lean in, we listen, we get curious instead of um, feeling betrayed or feeling like something Mm weird is happening. Yeah. That's a very, very important one because if there's been abuse, then most likely the the trust of your own body, never mind everyone else in life itself, but with your own body, has been broken. And so we want to reestablish uh, a really right. beautiful, trusting relationship. This is before uh-huh. we even do any sexual practices. Like, <laughs> You know, this is, this is fundamental first to establish these things.
0: Can I ask you, how long did it take you I mean, for the tremendous trauma that you went through, your near-death experience? And I had one of those, too. I can totally empathize, or not empathize, but I, I do have some understanding of what you're saying. You do come back as a different person. And, but how long was it after the tremendous trauma of the um, violence and what you witnessed within the ward, were you able to then trust your body once again? Or yeah. trust trust men <laughs> trust men.
1: Brenda, do you know what was interesting for me, Brenda? Is I I don't know why I don't know maybe if it's the healthy relationship I had with my father, um, if it was mm-hmm. the fact that he kind of raised me like his son. I I'm not sure mm-hmm. what in my psychology did this, but I I didn't actually mistrust any man except the one who um, okay. was responsible, and and. Yet, there is an unconscious mistrust, right? So consciously, I didn't feel like I mistrusted. Unconsciously, it was there. Mm-hmm. So let's yeah. talk about that journey. So the, the physical getting me stabilized or actually live because I had two weeks to live. It's sort of a serious condition. You, you know, you're facing something pretty dramatic. And yeah. um, so the first thing I had to do is just stabilize my body. And so I made demands of the surgeon, and I, made, and I snuck away for a day from the hospital to go see an herbalist and because I knew that what was a, uh, available to me in the hospital would not be um, life-giving. It might stabilize uh-huh. me for a few days, but it wouldn't necessarily help me move forward. I knew that in, in, intuitively, instinctually. I think because I was raised with First Nations and I was uh-huh. um, aware of their plant medicines, I'd been healed many times yeah. from things that doctors couldn't help me with by the plant medicine of the elder women in the, in the community. So I I obviously knew that just naturally. It wasn't sort of front of mind, but I just knew I have to go do this. Mm -hmm. Uh Stabilize the body. That took a few weeks because I was given two weeks, right, and and they kept me in the hospital. At the end of the two weeks, I was still alive. So they released Uh me, but they said I had to come back in six weeks because I had a grapefruit-sized cyst on one of my ovaries they wanted to surgically remove. And so I said, okay, I'll come back in six weeks. So I left, and that six-week journey was very crucial. That was a time where I unplugged from everyone and everything and just focused on what happened there, Brenda. was amazing. I just really lived moment to moment. Mm -hmm. And if I needed to scream, I would go. And she's screaming. Mm -hmm. If I needed to cry, I would, like, cry. If I needed to sleep, I'd sleep. I just did what was true moment to moment in that period of time I wasn't focused on healing the cyst per se. I was focused on just, who am I now? I don't even know what all this is, right? And I was young. I had no guidance. I was 20 years old, never read a book on energy healing. Now I'm a farm girl. Like, (laughs) I didn't know any of this stuff that I know know now. Um, So there was an instinctual, like an animal going away and hiding and licking their wounds. It was basically what happened. At the end of that six weeks, I went back. The cyst was gone. I was very stable. I had enough strength. To then I was a tree planter at the time, so I went back and, and started work immediately. And I think that was very good for my spirit. But I uh-huh. think that the real healing continued for several years of reclamation. There's layers to it, layers and layers. And as I was reclaiming, even I think 10 years after the incident, I met a, a lover who resembled that original person
0: Uh
1: and there was a moment in our connection where I the trauma was re-stimulated and it all surfaced it came up and it felt like shards of glass were moving through my body it was just this wild intense thing and I knew what was happening and I knew enough that by then to trust what was Uh happening and I said you've got to trust me we're going to go somewhere really dark but you've got to trust me on this he said I'm here with you and we had this big journey, it lasted maybe an hour, hour and a half, and then it was complete, and that was like the final wow. chapter of that piece. yeah and um, and I think, you know, just thinking about how much I enjoy, like I'm married, I have a fantastic sex life with my partner, I love my body, and you know, I'm just very free. I, I think about how fantastic that is and and the elements that it took to get there, and the mm-hmm. greatest element was to come back home to myself. And so that's another premise that we use in the work is Mm -hmm. the journey home will take as long as it takes. It doesn't matter. But as long as we choose to come home. And,
0: yeah. I love the fact that you had such a supportive um, family. And I, I don't... My thoughts are that's not necessarily the norm there's a lot of dysfunctional families but by having that support by having the father that treated you equal as a male that gave you so much strength to Mm. persevere and I'm almost sensing for you also that this what happened this violence that occurred to you that if you didn't have that support system at the very beginning, that strong family support system that you may not have endured it. So I, wow, it feels like this was something that was definitely part of your soul journey on earth. Exactly. um, Yeah, it it, it really does.
1: Yeah. And I feel like, how could I, because I'm an embodied leader, like how could I teach women reclamation if I myself haven't been Mm -hmm. through it? Now, how can I Mm -hmm. teach women of deep pleasure and of, incredible love and trust of this in- vehicle we call the body if i myself am not experiencing that so it's, it's i feel like somehow i've been used in a way to like bring this out and there's been many other examples of how my own healing journey because we still go through things in life and life uh-huh. is uh, just a clean sale <laughs> but at every time in, in my experiences i bring that back and so what I want to say with women where the family life might not have been great or the trauma came from the family itself, it's not a prerequisite to heal to have had that in the past. The okay. only prerequisite for healing is making the choice to come home to yourself, period. You don't even need the person to say, I'm sorry, or to, to go to jail. Like, that is nice. Right but it's not a prerequisite for the completion of the healing. And I want to say that because what we've done in our culture, we've actually harmed victims. Because what we've done yeah. in a woundology culture is we then give you a badge and say, here, you're a victim of this. And now you're stuck. This is your identity. What mm-hmm. we, we haven't said, look, we're going to help you get stabilized. And past this point, there's a whole other level that's going to happen where your greatest pain will become your greatest gift. You will move into thriving, and you will bring your, your genius into the world in a way that's, that's so necessary. We don't give that to people. And I think that we, that is the reason why I actually healed so deeply is I actually never considered myself a victim of rape. I know I, I was victimized in that way, but I didn't take it on as my identity. And, yes. And I think it might be a little harder if we grow up with the abuse yes. because in those formative years. But I have seen many women when they choose to come home, they're an, an unstoppable force of
0: nature. Wow, and that's so encouraging because just the amount of women that I work with personally in my healing work, the abuse is so rampant mm-hmm. and. And many times, especially when they're really, really ill, say they are in their last stages with cancer, for example, then they mention, then it comes out. Well, I've never said this before, but it is like, oh my gosh, you just feel this, your heart drop because it has been in their body for decades of the shame, and I, mm. I'm just so tired of it. Women are so tired of this. Um, of this, and, but you know the Me Too's come out. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that these women in you know Hollywood, and whether it's part political, you know maybe, but for the fact that they've united, I'm thinking yes. And so again, the timing for I know you've been at this for a while, uh, for quite a while, but uh, but for this latest um, world oh, um, awakening, it's perfectly timed. Yes,
1: it's like. For 20-something years, I've been curating this knowledge and waiting for the right moment where, collectively, we would be ready to hear it. So sexual sovereignty, and I want to define what that is before I get into it, because I'm very passionate about this topic, but it basically means that, like you said, Brenda, at the start, that you have the full authority and um, You're fully autonomous and you have the full authority over your own body, your fertility, your pleasure, that you and you alone will decide what happens with your body and that no government, no institution, and no person has the right to choose that for you. It is your sole birthright to choose. That is very, very crucial right now to bring this idea into the collective to encourage everyone. Talk about it. Talk about it with your friend. Talk about it with whomever, but discuss this possibility because collectively in order for it's like a pattern interrupt you work with trauma you know that the only way that trauma can fully heal is you have to interrupt it otherwise it just keeps cycling it'll cycle and cycle and cycle and so the pattern interrupt here i'm so happy with the Me Too movement that women are finding them, not only women, men who've been abused are also coming forth. So people, people are finding their voice. They're um, allowing themselves to feel their feelings. And Mm -hmm. I am really pro, I don't care if the the injury happened 50 years ago, if you finally find that voice, hooray. I I don't personally feel that it's any more valid if it happened yesterday or 50 years ago. What happened happened. You find the voice. Because shame yeah. grows in darkness, we bring the light to, to that, now we can mm-hmm. transform it. <clears> yeah. So the Me Too movement, where it could go wrong, where we could spiral back into trauma, is where we get into labeling, shaming, and blaming. So what we have to be very mm-hmm. careful now is in the now what conversation, right, Brenda? It's like, okay, so we found the voice, right. we're expressing, we're, we're you know, feeling our feelings. And people are being held accountable. Fantastic, but now what? What world do we want to create together
0: to live in well, together? And I, and I have I have to mention this because I had this conversation with my husband, and we're going to be both back in the corporate world somewhat here. And uh, and he's saying, well, I don't know if I like he's got to be careful who he hires. You know who what females to bring on because it's almost gone and I can see a little bit of this happening. What do I say? If I say something wrong, how, so it's gone. I could see it maybe being twisted and which would really be very upsetting. You know, if, if if things are construed the wrong way and then men are just, Mm -hmm. you know, walking on, on tiptoes because they're scared to say something or do something. And I thought, you know, I don't want women to take advantage of it. I guess that's where Matt do not take advantage Of Ed said, you know, speak your voice, speak your truth but don't get on a power trip, like now I have the power, I can just dig it right back. And then you have these men who are concerned about saying uh, certain things or certain behavior, is that acceptable, not acceptable. Mm. So, have, mm. uh, so I don't know. I'm concerned about the pendulum swinging just a little bit. And then that would take away for a number of women the real trauma that has occurred. And yes. so I don't know. I think this is going to take a while to settle down. It Whatever will that is,
1: and it um, will end. Let's let's keep leaning in. Let's let's keep bringing this subject, this because yeah. here's the thing: if if I look at you and you look at me and we see each other as powerful, and we see each other as sexually sovereign, that comes with first profound respect for self, which then extends to other. If we've got those two things in place. Mm -hmm. Then at any second, Brenda, if something's weird for me, because I'm French-Canadian, I touch people. Like, that's just what we do. But it's not always appropriate. So I have to check in. and So maybe I reach out and I touch your arm because I'm excited about something and you, Mm -hmm. like, suddenly feel shocked. I have to say, oh, gosh, Brenda, you know, was that inappropriate? Because I was just really excited and I, I really mean nothing from that. You have to speak up. You have to say, yeah, that was... I'm not okay being touched. And I'm like, I will never do it again. I apologize, at least not, with, you know, without your consent. We have to have in the moment clarity in conversation because things can build up. The way to clear yeah. things and to transform things is not to let things build up, not to make any assumptions ever. You could have assumed that I was, you know, being sexually harassing you just because I put my hand on your arm. Whereas I'm coming from a place of affection and, like, oh, my God, I want to be close to right. I'm so excited about what we're talking about. Two fully different things. I remember once being in the Zulu culture because I take women to Africa every year to experience okay. something incredible there. And the, the Zulu people, if you grow up with lions, you would understand this because you would never look a lion in the eyes unless you want yourself killed. Like, if you look a lion mm-hmm. in the eyes, it's because you want to take them on. So you lower your eyes when you're around lions. So the Zulu actually lower their eyes out of respect for you. They don't look you in the eye. Mm -hmm. So I'm French-Canadian. We look in the eye. Like, we look more in the eye than most people. Like, I freak a lot of people out because I'm looking in their eyes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So
1: so here I am having this cultural clash. We could easily make assumptions, but instead I said, hey, I noticed that you never look me in the eye, and I'm just curious why that is and then they explained it to me and I said oh well can I explain where I come from they said sure and then so they tried a little more to look me in the eye and I did my best to look less in the eye as a respect yes. a mutual respect and so that's what I mean we, we've we got to stop making assumptions
0: <laughs> it's, I it's don't traumatic. want you
1: and your husband to be afraid of hiring women women are gorgeous right. people but what needs to be clear in the company environment is like look we have zero tolerance for sexual harassment yes. in any direction Here's our company principles. If something is wrong, you've got to say it immediately, and you've got to own your part in this.
0: And you you also have to feel safe and supported. And I I, I do have to uh say this because this is really hitting hard for me at times. I worked in a very male-dominated industry. And I personally went through situations that when I (laughs) read, Retell my story, I, I just get this look of disbelief, which I, I, I'm not going to get into in 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 this in our time. But um, it'll be interesting when I go back on a on a, you know I'll, I'll see on on a corporate level how the atmosphere will be, and I'm talking major worldwide companies mm-hmm. and and to the culture. Uh, it'll be very interesting after this whole Me Too because I am sure for these major corporations, there is going to be policies that will maybe have been in place, but they'll be now. Um, you know, they'll be now installed. This, there, there is. Yes. This is it. You know, yeah. no one. Their belief will be there, but women need to feel like they're going to be protected. And their their job's not on the line for coming forward. So I'm not too
1: sure. I want to say something right there because you're you're hitting something really important that most people, unless you're a lawyer, don't know about. And the only reason I know about it is I was just in an interview with a lawyer. (laughs) So I learned something, that all companies are not liable for the first, um, like, violation. You've got to report it. You've got to report the first time something happens. And then mm-hmm. if anything ever occurs again, there's a lot of liability. So the, the law is set up in that way where even if you're in a parking lot and some stranger is harassing you and trying mm-hmm. to get to your car, you call the cops You say, this is not an emergency. I just want to report harassment. This is what the person looks like. You must do that because what what the next time that person does it to someone else, then they report it. Now we have a record. So if something okay. happens, we're like, this is definitely the person. It's very important, the voice. That's what Me Too is about. Probably the primary gift of Me Too is use your voice, not in a projection kind of way or an assumptive mm-hmm. way, but in a clear way. I walked here and this person said this, and it made me feel very unsafe. End of story. Mm-hmm. Right? That way, and, and then policies, I think companies would do well to have even a little anonymous way of someone reporting something because sometimes we're afraid, right? The reason we don't report is we don't want to be associated with that or we don't want to be confronted, but we need to report. So the lawyer was suggesting that a hotline or a mm-hmm. way that women could report anonymously could be very supportive.
0: Absolutely. And then the third,
1: the third thing I think for you and your, you know, what you're creating with your husband, at least in micro companies, let's, Let's create an environment. Sit down with everyone. And say, this is big. What's happening in the world is big. Like, don't avoid the conversation. Have a meeting. Mm-hmm. And what do we want our company climate to be like? And if anyone witnesses any kind of harassment here, we want to hear you. Like, because sometimes someone won't speak up, but you could speak up for that person and just say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, Jim, yeah. the way you just talked to Lisa, not cool. You, you need to tone yeah. it down. You know, so you that know, everyone's that, holding each other
0: accountable. Perfect. I really align with that uh, because many times we're witnessing and we just can't say anything. Or um, absolutely, it's supporting men, supporting women, women supporting men. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think the biggest thing that society, you know, and it's going to take, it's going to take who knows how many generations or eons. It's just equal respect. That's it nothing more, nothing less, but just we're on equal playing field financially um, in all aspects. Just equal playing field. That's all. That's all that women ultimately want is like equal playing field.
1: Yeah, and you know what? It's not going to start by waiting for structures to come into place to support us. It will yeah. start by the individual choosing to take a stand for herself, choosing to adopt the idea of sexual sovereignty, that that you have this right, what would it look like to live as though that is true? What does it look like to live your life on your own terms, not defined by someone else? Start thinking about it. Start conversing. Do some writing. Like Explore this unknown territory because we are so conditioned to being formed by external validation, by external values, Mm -hmm. that we have Mm -hmm. no idea how to actually really live our own lives. And we are so conditioned to be victims that we have no idea how to actually take a stand and be strong and, and have that kind of reflection. And if we can't do that for ourselves, how will other people do it for us? It's not possible. So it is going to start with the individual. And then what you could do is like within your own family, or with your Uh friends, you can say, hey, I'm exploring this thing. What do you think? And you start to create a culture, a small microculture, of Uh people who are consciously taking this on. Like, it's not going to be easy because there is a lot of habitual ways of behaving, but if we can get out of labeling, blaming, Uh and shaming, if we can get curious, and if we can get creative, we will see a change happen much faster than if we just stick our heads in the sand and think things will change and we, that we have no impact on that change. But I'm here to say I, that every individual has
0: profound impact on this change. I, I, I totally agree. I, I, I do feel at that things will change faster than maybe what we realized. Um, and yet there's some fear that maybe I'm just fooling myself, but I really, truly, and I, I really, truly hope within the remaining years that I have on Earth that I, I see more of that positive change, and uh, I I know we're in this whole paradigm shift. I, I realize that, and we are the, at the forefront of that, so... Yeah. Um, well,
1: it wasn't phew. that long ago that women couldn't vote, right?
0: No. Right?
1: It wasn't that long ago, and look at the change. So people yeah. had to take a stand. They had to they had to believe that they were worthy enough that they should vote. Like they actually had to take that on, even though everyone else didn't believe it. And there were no policies to support it. The so small group of people decided we are worthy of this. We're going to take a stand for it. We're going to go through hell because we're going to confront yeah. the system. We're going to confront ideals. And yet the change happened in all the generations after that change had benefited. So, That's where we're at right now. We're at another one of those crossroads where we get to change our definitions of ourselves, change how we relate to the world, change how we want to be Mm -hmm. related to and take a stand for it. It won't always be easy. But if we do this as a community, you obviously have a a great community, Brenda, and you're you're a voice for that community. These micro communities are so crucial. We cannot do this alone. This won't happen in isolation. It will happen by making choice personally, of course, and then come together with others who are considering the same without, again, mm-hmm. that labeling, blaming, and shaming.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We need support systems, and if people cannot physically be there, then, you know, create your own Facebook groups, you know, get your <laughs> yeah. support them, create a Zoom call with your friends and talk about it. Support one another. Yeah. it's it's crucial. There's so many of us are sort of hermits in our homes and maybe not mm. working out in the public. So you become a hermit. You're not talking. You're you're not able to, you know, speak your truth unless you are in, uh, in a situation where it is uh, on like remotely. So um, it's so it's so crucial. And I, more mm-hmm. that we communicate talk about this, but it's going to be stronger, just stronger emotionally, mentally, to handle what comes, you know, comes forward. Exactly. Exactly.
1: And uh, and I want to say, um, Brenda, that I have actually created um, a sexual sovereignty manifesto Mm -hmm. because I realize that some people, like, want, like, what does it look like, right? So I have that available in something, you you probably... um, know about this already but the daring project is only for women and it is exactly that it's a global online community for oh, women perfect. who want to explore this very conversation who want to be more daring in their own life even in mm-hmm. small tiny ways and be surrounded by other women who are going through the same journey of exploring yeah. of of being vulnerable of you know just Going, wow, I, like, I get it in this part of my life, but this part of my life, I have no idea how to make this happen. And then those oh, conversations.
0: Right. Yeah. And how about older women? And I hate the word older because I'm thinking society looks at me as being older. And I I don't feel it, but it's that collective conscious, oh, I'm, I'm older now, you know. And mm. and. Bringing back their sexuality because we we're told after a certain day, you know, time you just lose your attractiveness, your, your sexuality, you might as well forget about it. And It's a tough, it's very difficult yes. to get beyond that. I think it, it really is. I think most women are really stuck.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I really appreciate that you bring this
0: question forward.
1: Uh, first of all, um, an elder friend of mine one day said to me, she says, oh, I'm not aging, I'm saging. And so that <laughs> stayed with me because there is a truth to, like in the, some of the African cultures, you are still considered a child until the age of 52. That's when you become adults at 52. It's when mm-hmm. you become a contributor to your community. So I like the idea of saging because what it does is it shifts the attention Everyone. Aging is a, a natural process of nature. Everything ages, trees and birds, everything does. But we have a negative connotation. Saging, to me, denotes not only what's happening on my physical level, but it, it denotes a beautiful unfolding of a maturation process of my being, of my heart, of my you know mind, where I can offer that. So I just want to say that first because I think – we need more wise elders to come forward and support younger people. And it's a resource that we've deprived ourselves of. I remember just craving elder wisdom and never having access Mm -hmm. to it. So that's one thing. There is a meme, like I said earlier, mental virus, like you were just saying, that Mm -hmm. um, if you're no longer... Fertile, so you 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 know you can't conceive a child. You are no longer viable sexually, which to me is mm-hmm. a load of BS. And so I spend a lot of time on a more professional stages, actually, with alongside a doctor, a gynecologist, and we speak about sexuality and ageism. And this is one of our favorite topics. Most of my clients are either going through menopause or post menopause. Mm-hmm. So oh, this doctor and I have dedicated a lot of our shared um, experience working with women. And so, so you get like a medical perspective and then you get my you know, psychological <laughs> perspective. And we both believe that the stage that a woman enters, menopause is actually another level of initiation. And it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a gateway into what I call the power stage of life. So long before our society now, there were matriarchs and these elder ladies were very powerful. In fact, I believe that when we enter this stage of life, we're the most powerful because now we 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 see the crap and we don't buy into it. We have a better sense of ourselves. We're you know, there's so many gifts Mm -hmm. to saging
0: and sexuality,
1: just to to let the ladies know.
0: Because I have told this time and time again Well, I totally agree, and then I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I, but I'm I'm just thinking of these baby boomers, which I'm I'm a baby boomer. Like there's this massive population of older women who potentially, from their sixties, have another thirty years to go. Now, this yes. is the first time in history where we've had this level of population, and who have the opportunity to live. Uh, you know a healthy, fairly healthy life for another, you know, thirty years or so. So so now it's encouraging I'm finding with women is this okay, what's gonna spark you? Because it's not gonna be mm-hmm. sitting home and crocheting. You know yes. what,
1: what is exactly? that
0: spark? So this is um so perfect. It's just getting yeah, so in touch of, with uh, who we are.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the ladies who come to my particular work is because they want a reclamation of their sexuality. They're either yes. done with how it's been or their bodies are going, I don't, I'm i not enjoying how things are. So their bodies have actually physically shut down. Yeah. So whatever's happened. Oh, nice. and, and just to be clear, women who take this on and really investigate it have mm-hmm. all have transformation where they rejuvenate their hormones, they rejuvenate the glands, they rejuvenate vaginal Perfect. tissue to the point where they're, they're vibrant and very sexual and very orgasmic. So that is Perfect. something that's important for the collective mind. Just because you're not fertile doesn't mean you're not sexually viable anymore. I think it's yes. uh, the worst harm we've ever done
0: is that particular I belief. I love it. Reclamation of sexuality. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Ah, oh, this is so good. I, I know we could really, I could spend a lot of time with you talking about this. And, <laughs> and I, can you just give some information, please? Um, now, you've mentioned this Daring Project. You have books. Like just give us some yeah. Yeah, I information I would like that, that you might to share. Okay,
1: so, so I'm going to give you some free resources. One specific to sexuality It's called theJadeEgg.com. You go there. There's a free ebook. There's a bunch of videos. In the ebook, I what I've done is I've written scenarios. If you've had sexual trauma, if you um, if you've just had a baby, if you are in menopause, if you're postmenopause, different scenarios because they require different attention. Right, So it's just an orientation to what's the best steps to take right now uh, for the place that I'm in in my life. Another great resource would be thedaringproject.com. If you're a woman, you want to lean in, you want to have that conversation, you want to feel supported, then definitely investigate thedaringproject.com. I do have um, a book called The Emergence of the Sensual Woman. That one's available Kindle through Amazon, or on my website. And I have a new book, which I might come back to, Brenda, to talk to you about. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's called Desire. But the here, the, the exploration of desire as, as our innate, inherent compass, something that's benevolent, something we can trust, and how it's been hijacked mm-hmm. and what to do about mm-hmm. that.
0: Yes. Perfect. And your website is... Is dareyourdesire.com dareyourdesire
1: because we need to dare. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, and if if the ladies are also and men, um, my public page on Facebook is for men and women and there's a lot of awesome videos that you can go through. I also, you can find me on YouTube because if you're not on Facebook we put the same videos on YouTube. Just to get you as much information as possible. It's, it's really a pleasure for me to do that. And you will find I do have a rebellious streak and I tend to speak very strongly. Um, so, so hopefully that's something that you enjoy. And Brenda, I just want to honor you. Thank you so much for your heart, for your intelligence and just your willingness to have this edgy conversation. It's not easy to go into these
0: places. And so I really appreciate uh, that you've had me on the show today. Thank you. Um, I'm, it, it definitely gives a lot of hope to women mm. and mm. and healing. And and once we reclaim our bodies, I mean, I love the fact the hormones are then functioning properly. Your body's working perfectly. Um, you know that that ease of the body it may kind of dissipate much of it on its own mm. <laughs> because those emotions that we're holding our body, our uh, those lower vibrational emotions, they are causing pain, you know. So, oh, my gosh, just to be able to get this out and just reclaim ourselves, our sexuality is vital for our survival. <laughs> That's how I feel Always. right now. Yeah, I, I love really it. Do. I love it. Well, thank, thank you for having thank me Thank you on so much.
1: Yeah, it's been a, a great pleasure to be here today. Thank you.
0: Really enjoyed it. Okay, we'll talk to you again. Thank you. All right, bye-bye.